Welcome to The Healthy Beast. We've been talking about how to make the perfect cup of tea, which is quite frivolous, but Jordan Wiley, welcome. Thank you. So we were talking about more serious things before. I've just got through reading your book, Running For My Life, Jordan Wiley. Really enjoyed the book. It's a, it's a great book. There's so much in it. So for people that haven't read it, so you were a soldier, then you worked in private security in some of the most dangerous parts of the world, Somali pirates, all that sort of thing. But really the book is about struggles with mental health. And one of the things that stuck out in the book to me was one point where you said you were in a firefight in Iraq. This must have been when you were still a kid. You were in a firefight in Iraq and 16 hours later you were in a nightclub in Blackburn. And that one thing from the book stood out as maybe an example of where we might be going wrong. Yeah, 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 really interesting. And yeah, that was obviously when I was a young soldier, so probably 2005. So yeah, probably probably nearly 15 years ago. And and that's something that still happens today, whether whether we like it or not, or whatever we think about it. And and probably not that I've been diagnosed with with post traumatic stress disorder, but I think that aspect of sort of decompressing when you come out of a conflict zone is quite critical um, in terms of mental health. Because as it said, yeah, I, you know, I've been fighting with a engaging with an enemy in Iraq, and then you know, less than 24 hours, I'm I'm back home in, in Lancashire. I'm on a dance floor, necking shots and doing beers with, a, with my mates. And, and uh, you know, and, and, and there's, there's no middle ground in there, which is quite a grey area, uh, considering the, the sort of state of mind that you was in, you know, 24 hours earlier, where you're putting a magazine on a weapon and you're shooting at someone, or somebody uh, is shooting at you, or you may have lost friends, colleagues. Um, and then to go from being that into you know back into civilian life is 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 quite a challenge and and probably even more so when people have done that for full careers of 22 years and then they're pulled out of that and just sort of pushed back into society and they've never although they you know they're great at all the skills of soldiering and 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 and, and traveling around the world you know a lot of these people um have have never really paid a bill you know they've they've they they've never had to deal with things like council tax banking get going shopping in the supermarket which sounds crazy because the army does all that for you you know you join the army at 16 years old and you know you're a kid really aren't you at 16 and then you leave at 40 years old if you've done a full career you've served in places like Iraq Afghanistan Kosovo Bosnia Northern Ireland wherever it might be you know you've been fighting all your life and then go on you're back in society now uh, and you've and, and and there's there's been no real middle ground because you've you've not that you've had everything done for you but in terms of of, of social living you know it's you, you typically live in a barracks um, you know as long as you turn up on time wearing the right uniform with a clean shave you you don't go far wrong in the military. And did you when you were still a kid living that life did you think it was did you were you aware of there being any damage to to your no, no, not at all. I think, um, you know, it's it's an expression that we use a lot these days, but it is what it is, and you just take it take it for what it is. You know, you'd, I certainly never stopped as that young 19, 20-year-old and went, bloody hell, I was in Iraq yesterday, and now I'm I'm, I'm on the lash in Blackpool with the lads. Uh, you, 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 you don't process that, you just get on with it. And, and I think that's not just um, true of a soldier or, or somebody who's been in combat. I think that is true with most people in, in life, you know, 
people have challenges, people have problems, and they just get on with it. They, they, and this is one of the big issues at the moment, I think, because what we need to be doing is stopping uh, processing what's gone on in our life. And that, and that, as I say, that doesn't have to be fighting with an enemy as a soldier. That could be a bereavement in the family. It might be that somebody's just lost their job, um, or, or, or it could be somebody having, you know, it could be something as simple as a child who's struggling at school with an exam that's coming up. Um, you know, we, we have to process these things psychologically to help us understand, to help us grow and develop as people and um, uh, you know as being a soldier was just one aspect of that because th- th- there are bits in the book where you're talking about PTSD and you particularly don't like the D at the end because post-traumatic stress disorder you were saying you don't think it's a disorder because it's I think as you put it it's a normal reaction to abnormal yeah, circumstances. circumstances. Yeah. yeah, I think, you know, I, I, I have a bit of a bee in my bonnet about it. And, and again, I highlight that I, I've not, contrary to what doctors and medical professionals tried to sort of pigeonhole me with, which was the post-traumatic stress disorder, um, I, I, I stand by and I've never been diagnosed officially with, with any sort of PTSD. Um, but I, I, I certainly know lots of people and lots of friends who have a very complex uh, PTSD. But yeah, I think it's a very normal reaction to an abnormal set of circumstances. If you're, you know, if if you've just put friends in body bags who you was, you know, chatting like we we are now ten minutes earlier, um, and they've been blown up, and you know, or maybe they've lost limbs or arms or legs, or maybe they've just been traumatized, and there is no sort of uh, visual injuries externally. Um, you know, it's pretty traumatic to be to be in an explosion where where people lose their lives or, or your vehicle get blown up or whatever it might be. And for you to to to, to process that is is not normal. That's not something that happens in any aspect of life. And ninety nine point nine percent of of people in the world will never experience that that element of trauma. So for for, for us to say, oh, he's he or she's got a disorder now, um, I I don't think is fair. I don't think it's helpful either because when they leave service and they go to try and integrate back into civilian life, it makes it really difficult when it comes to things like getting a job because you're often, or these people are often seen as damaged goods now, you know, oh, they're dangerous, they're damaged, we, know, we, 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 we need to be careful what we do with this person. Well, you know, maybe they are damaged, but they're not damaged in a way that, that makes them, you know, uh, that they should be treated in a in a negative way or perceived in a negative way. These are heroes who've served the country, ultimately. We should be doing our best to look after them, to helping them, um, you know, reintegrate into society and, and transition from military life, in my opinion, anyway. I suppose it's a difficult one, isn't it? You want the, you want the, um, the whatever you call it, whether you call it a disorder or not, you want it to be taken seriously. Yeah. Well, that's the other side is you, 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 you may need uh, extremely important help. So giving it the disorder coin makes it sort of, a, I guess, a medical condition that needs treatment. And so it is a double-edged sword, and I do get that. You know, By saying it's a disorder or diagnosing it as some form of disorder means that you can access medical care and attention, uh, prescription drugs or, or counselling or therapy or whatever it might be. Uh, so, so so, I think you know, there, is, there is no very clear right or wrong answer to this. It, it just needs to be managed in a, in, in a better way, I think. And you write, you write very honestly in the book about your own problems and it's it's a your personal life as well as professional you know as you say you're not you're not saying it's just coming from what you what you experienced in the war but you know you had your own problems like your relationship broke down and yeah, so yeah. forth and by this stage you'd you'd left the army right but you left because of physical injuries for because of a bad back yes um yeah for me it wasn't you know 
although I experienced traumatic things, if you like, uh, you know, from from seeing death and destruction and and seeing bad things happen on 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 combat operations, it was it was never really that that that, that affected my mental health. Um, you know, we we have to understand that we're all wired very differently. Um, and that's something again I've come to learn a lot more clearer as, I, as I've matured and grown up. You know what what one person sees um, may may affect them in a very different way, even though they've experienced the same thing. And that's the same in all aspects of life. We can, you know, me and you can look at the same situation but take different things from it. And it, for me, it was never about the bombs or the bullets. I think the only thing that really affected me um, in terms of psychologically what I experienced in combat was seeing the children. Uh, injured and that's why I spend a lot of time trying to help uh, children both overseas and in the UK today because I think children are the ultimate victims of war you know they are tragic victim of circumstance they find themselves in these situations um, you know I, I was in Syria last year um, doing some work only for a few weeks and I met a, a young sort of seven or eight year old boy and the, a, a rocket sort of went off in the background you know and me being sort of ex-military straight away I'm on the deck I'm looking for cover uh, and, and this uh, little boy he didn't even flinch and I, I found that on reflection sort of a, a few hours later I was talking to my local guide sort of fixer interpreter and I said how come he wasn't bothered by it and he said because that's all he's known you know he's he's had seven years of that he he's sort of acclimatized accustomed to it that is his normality uh, and i just thought you know what what a world we live in where bombs and bullets going off around you doesn't even make you flinch because that is your normal um, and it just i don't know it makes me appreciate uh life and the life that i have um not that i you know not that i have, have a really glamorous or i'm very wealthy or anything but I'm, it, it, when you've travelled the world and you've seen a lot of the hardships, uh, especially that children have in places like Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, Yemen, Syria, Libya, Somalia, wherever it might be, you know, you, you realise that actually we have it pretty good compared to a large proportion of the world, uh, even though we have our own challenges. Um, you know, it's it's all relative, I guess. Um, but I think when you have been there firsthand and seen it, you 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 you're almost I don't know compelled. You want to do something. Uh, and I, I believe that everyone can make a difference in the world. And we, 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 I, I find we live in a society where we're always saying, well, someone else will worry about that. You know, someone else will deal with that problem. But actually, you know, we have to take responsibility and accountability for some of these problems and, and try and help if we can. And, uh, you know, I take my role uh, in that very, very seriously. And, and actually, it's as, it's as fulfilling for me and, and helps me with my own mental health, knowing that I'm, I have some purpose in this world to try and help these people or help give back. That helps me as much as I think it's helping them, um, because when you leave the armed forces, certainly you, you know, when you give in that uniform and your your rank slide or wherever it might be, I, I felt that like I lost a big sense of purpose about what I, what my role was in this world, um, you know, I'm, and I'm, my, you know, one of my favourite days of the year now is still Remembrance Day because it's the only day really that I get to put on my medals, my beret, my regimental tie, and go march with all my old colleagues, and and I, and I guess I, that's so important to me uh, because. Um, it, it means so much to so many and it's my, uh, you know, it's, it was a real important aspect of my life where when you're in the military and you have to polish your medals, you see it as a bit of an inconvenience because you do it every day. Um, but actually now it's it's one of the proudest days in, 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 in my year. Well no, one, well, no one can accuse you of not stepping up because for those who haven't read Running My Life, Running For My Life, excuse me, um, you've gone back to dangerous parts of the world, well, basically three in three waves, if I could explain it like that, that... One first in the military, then in private security, and then in the thing that this book's really about. This is going back to the most dangerous parts of the world and running. So 
half marathons, even a marathon, just going and putting yourself through, well, running's hard enough, but running through Somalia, Iraq, some of the most dangerous parts of the world. I mean, and one of the things that strikes you in the book is all the people trying to talk you out of doing it. <laughs> so there's one of the one of the running themes seems to be, oh, don't, don't do, it, don't do it, Jordan, don't do. It. Oh, and of course, I can't say this while I'm still laughing, but you maybe you'll understand. You um get diagnosed with epilepsy at one stage during this, so another reason to not do it. So Jordan, please don't do it. How 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 many times did you hear this ringing in your ears and did you think maybe you should yeah listen? i guess you know it's for me it was it was some people said when i started the project well this is a bit reckless i think you know you're you're also a very high profile target for people like um you know al qaeda or the taliban you're a former british soldier going back to to to, to places that british troops have served in and and you know some depending on where you sit in the world um, you know you'll meet people who say that british british troops shouldn't have been in those countries and they they were responsible for many deaths and and and, and part of the destruction some people might argue um you know the the the, the old weapons of mass destruction in iraq that, that that never were and and these sort of issues you know and these were were conversations that i had along the way with local people often um but what what i did find in all, all three of these countries was as much as everyone in the UK was telling me how bad they were, how dangerous they were, and actually if you switch on any mainstream media channel, they would also tell you how bad and, and, and how negative uh, some of these countries are. But I can promise you firsthand from going there, living and breathing with the population of these countries, that I saw, hand on heart, I saw more acts of kindness and humanity in all three of those countries than I've ever seen in the United Kingdom. You know, 99.9% of the world are good people and they all want the same as us. And what we have is this this media sort of narrative, this influence that tells us what's good and what's bad, and that's the way we must live our lives. You know, I, 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 if you do a quick Google on the Foreign and Commonwealth Office website, it will say that if you're in most of these countries, you need to get out quite quickly and you shouldn't visit them for any other reason than, than sort of emergency, you know, whatever it is. Um, but part of the story for me was about challenging Western perceptions of these countries, um, the countries that I know very well because I've worked in them previously, so I was under, under no illusion about the risks, the dangers. Um, and, you know, I, I, in, in my studies, although I left school with no qualifications, I went back uh, to education later in life and I, I did a foundation, a bachelor's and a master's degree in risk management. So I, I know how to manage risk and I understand risk. So for me, it was never reckless. It was just extreme risk management. It was It was complex in many ways, but... Uh, you know, if they weren't called Iraq and Afghanistan and Somalia, some of the parts of these countries that I went to would be number one hotspots in, in the tourism world because the natural beauty of some of these countries that will never be seen on the news was just magnificent. And ho hopefully I captured some of that in, in, in the story and in the book. But I, I met incredible people. I visited incredible places. And the common theme and thread through all three of those journeys were were the acts of humanity, the kindness and the natural beauty of the countries. You know, when I came back to the UK uh, after the final leg, which was Afghanistan, I was, listeners won't be surprised to hear that I was the only competitor, the British competitor in the marathon of Afghanistan. Uh, you know, people aren't queuing up to get in these races at the moment. Um, but when I, when I did an interview with the BBC, when I got back, um, the first thing they said was, you know, you are crazy. This is a place that has experienced death and destruction. Um, you know, what was you thinking going to Afghanistan? And I, I, I highlighted to them, I said, well, I, I spent three weeks nearly there and 
I didn't see any death. I didn't see any uh, anybody trying to hurt me. Um, in fact, quite the opposite. Everyone was taking me under their wing. They wanted to feed me. They wanted to share their stories with me. They wanted to take me on, uh, in their homes and look after me. But on the contrary, when I did arrive back in the BBC studios, I was reading the, the newspaper this morning on the tube and there'd been seven stabbings in London while I was away. There'd been two shootings in Manchester. Um, so, you know, I sort of turned it on its head and said to the presenter, I said, well, let's talk about them because they're happening on our doorstep, you know, and I didn't see any of those things in Afghanistan. Um, so I, I think if you really want to see the truth of anywhere in the world, you have to go there. Uh, I encourage children to keep an open mind, you know, about the world because the media controls the minds of the masses and 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 they've always got an agenda of some sort um <laughs> yeah i mean well as a, as a member of the media i, I, I yeah, suppose yeah. <laughs> i suppose I, I have to try and defend us as a group i mean i suppose the, the real problem is is people's attention span is short sure and so so um you know when there are war-torn parts of the world they kind of you know of all the 200 ish countries in the world you, you might not you might not know anything about most of them so they know a little bit about this one and if there's been a war then yeah, that's yeah. all they know and then they're done but i think what you're doing in humanizing these countries is very important because i think otherwise people just kind of dismiss things in their mind because it's easier to not worry about all these things yeah on. absolutely so they think well it's all messed up anyway nothing i can do about it anyway and out of but when you give a more complicated program, about view that actually you know there's, there are these beautiful countries with uh, you know loads of kind people welcoming you in. It's, it's conf I guess it's confusing, but there's nothing wrong with you know thinking about things more carefully and showing the other side. So I I've, I've, I like that side of the book. I think it comes across really strongly. Yeah, I think you know we 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 only have to see. I know we. we we have to see what's happened in in the last seven days you know with with caroline flack mm. the media's influence on 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 that situation hugely exasperated it um you know the the stories that came out in in in, in the last 30 days uh the, the 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 narratives the way they've been spun and pitched and quite often without people knowing the full facts and i find similar although very different context with a lot of these countries like you say people think oh iraq ah there's there's a war that's a bad place that's got bad people and and people will have opinions on things that they don't understand um, or, or have uh, no 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 detailed knowledge of. And I think this is one of the dangers of social media these days because social media plays a huge part in in most people's lives, um, and, and 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 it does a lot of good. But I also feel that it's it's a very dangerous tool because it gives everyone a voice. It gives it gives the people who have got. Um, very narrow minds, very uh, um, sort of strong agendas on certain issues. Um, it, it gives bad people a voice as well. People who who don't really care about people's thoughts and feelings, or or what the people of Iraq think, or what you know, in this case, Caroline Flack's family think. But they're still pushing out. I was on the train today, and I'm uh, and I'm reading people's people are telling jokes, people are putting out memes about about a tragic set of circumstances, which. It's absolutely shocking, really. But this is this is the society we live in. You know, it's it's something is something has to stop. Uh, something has got to give in this world right now because we're not only for celebrities, uh, soldiers. We're seeing more soldiers suicides in veterans now than we've ever seen before. You know, and these are people who have served our country. These are people, if anybody, we owe a favour to. These are people who protect our nation. Um, and you know, we we have to be doing more. And 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 a lot of that is coming from media and social media influence these the, these things and and that's not me having a pop at any one individual but what what i would say is that not just the media or not just journalists or, or anybody because that we're all humans and i think 
for anybody I, you know i i just challenge anybody before you before you post something before you even say something before you send an email before you print it before you tweet about it just to think you know what are the wider implications of that you know just just take a little condom moment and say you know how's that going to make that person feel you know is it is it is it going to make is it is it going to hurt them is it going to destroy them because i i i think we we live in a world now where you know even the president of the united states i i see his twitter sometimes and i just think what is going on in this in this world that people can have that sort of uh, the influence and and voice and you know, I, I do a little bit of television work on the Channel 4 show Hunted. I don't have a huge profile by any means, but I think there needs to be more accountability for people who do have uh, increasing profiles because, you know, they are influencing the next generation. And for me, that's the real concern. It's the concern that, you know, we're, we're, we're glorifying these TV programs, you know, like the, the reality shows where we're catapulting to someone to, to overnight success and fame where they've got 10 million followers and now... A lot of their followers will be the 14, 15, 16-year-olds. So the messages that they're pushing out to society, for me, have to be the right messages. There needs to be more accountability. There needs to be more responsibility taken. If you're in a position of influence, whether it's as a celebrity, a politician, uh, or somebody in the media, you know the messages that you push out have to be the right messages. And they have to be fact-checked as well. Um, I, I, I really do feel really strongly about that because I, I'm, I'm convinced that social media is having a real negative impact on, on, on mental health of young people. I, I, one of the other roles I do is I'm the, the national ambassador for army cadets across the UK. So the amount of young people who I speak to who are, are being bullied, they're being trolled, um, and they are going to bed every night crying into their pillow because of people's views and opinions that they've never met just because somebody said something to them online. It's... You know, when, you, when you talk to kids like that, do, do, do any of them want to just cut off from it all? Because that doesn't—that's the one thing that doesn't seem to be an option—is that you know, you, you know, you, there are different ways of managing it, different this and that, but not doing it doesn't seem to be an option. Yeah, for anyone. yeah, you're absolutely right, and uh, uh, and again, I think it's something that that the education system also has to sort of start including in terms of the the risks and the dangers and how to manage your social media because. You know, English, math, science, and all those sort of key s- subjects are important. But actually, what is having more influence and impact in society is is, is the other sides to life, the softer skills, the the social media, the impact. Because, you know, I, I went in a school um, just ten days ago now. I won't I won't say which school, but I I asked the children in assembly. Um, I said, you know, what 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 do you want to be when you're older? Let's have a show of hands. And and I randomly picked out a couple of the 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 the, the kids, if you like, and one of them wanted to be an Insta model. I just said, you know, I just thought to myself, what, what is going? No disrespect to any Insta models out there, but I just no. thought, what, what is going on in our world if your aspiration as a thirteen-year-old is to stand up in front of two hundred other people and say, my goal is to be an Insta model? You know, and I could see the teachers in the background like cringing, looking round in in shame that this is the world. Another child told me they wanted to be famous, and I and I and I sort of probed it a bit further and said, what do you want to be famous for? You know, thinking they were going to tell me about being a geologists or Mm. an incredible you know rocket scientist or whatever they they didn't care they just wanted to be famous it didn't matter what they were famous for and i I, and i i thought about this when i went home that evening and it occurred to me that if you if you are a teenager in in modern society you have only ever known if you're 13 14 you've only ever known social media and the internet you know we we know life before that so we know that the the perks and, and 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 the other aspects to life but you know, for people like my daughter, who's ten year old, ten years old, and I try and keep her away from this. Um, but 
you know, that's all you've ever known. And not only that, you've only ever known your parent or, or your your teachers sat in front of iPads, sat in front of, of mobile phones. And, you know, it, it, it's having a... I genuinely believe, and I, I debate with people a lot on this, but this is part of this... The mental health epidemic, certainly in young people, is is the social media, the way we're made to that, that children and adults as well are made to feel. You know, I I I, I saw my, my my little cousin who's fourteen year old girl. She was doing an Instagram post the other day, and I'm sat next to her while she's doing it, and I was watching the football on the TV, and she must have spent twenty five minutes getting the perfect lighting, the filters right before she did that post you know she she spent a good half an hour and i asked her and she said oh no no you know we we've, we've got to make sure the perfect instagram post and i was like yeah but that's not real that's not authentic and she says no 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 but it's it, it's okay don't worry and i just thought 30 minutes to get you know, what we're teaching children we're teaching them that they don't look good enough you know they they have to go through a filtering process mm. before they are happy with what they look like to the rest of the world and this this just can't be good for me you know it's 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 it's, it's tragic i think in fact yeah, because in, in in one sense, every generation they look at the kids and they and they don't understand what's happening and they worry. You know, you had it with rock and roll, and you had it with 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 pretty much every every big change that older generation worries. But when you do get the mental health crises, as we, as you know, as we are seeing, you then you have you have to take yeah. notice. And this thing, I think it works for places and people. This thing of writing people off. So a, a certain person does a thing, and that's, and they're and they're unspeakable in your eyes. So they they do something, and everyone can shit on them as much as they want, and that, I, this kind of this kind of tear somebody apart for the enjoyment of the crowd mentality. Yeah, yeah, is is a really it's a really ugly thing, and I think that's, you know, it's existed that horrible pack mentality has always existed, but it existed as actual packs, you know, of people in yeah isolated. Instance this idea that everyone, every school child is uh, above a certain age is opening themselves up to these horrors, as you say, and they've never known anything different. Um, I mean, you know, we we put our phones outside this room before, which is a rare thing for people to do, put their phones out of reach. But at least, as you say, we can remember what it was like to not have one. Whereas people who've always been plugged into it it's just this huge part of your life and if and if this huge part of your life turns on you you know if you're going into your phone and it's and it's saying abusive stuff that's making you doubt yourself and making you not want to live your life anymore god forbid i mean yeah we have to yeah, we have to I, take notes I, I've, not... had that, I've had it myself where i, I get anxiety I, I don't use so twitter I, i'm on twitter but I, very rarely will you see me i don't even have the app on my phone anymore because people not, not you know certain individuals they they would say things like you know, why why are you helping children in africa when there's children in the uk and um oh, 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 one of the one of the quotes that i screen grabbed sort of last year was uh, a tweet that i often use in mental health presentations actually to children what somebody said to me uh, it was a tweet at me saying oh here we go another celebrity former soldier um, who's you? Who's jumping on the mental health wagon because he has a new book to new book to sell? And I just thought, what a thing! But it made yeah. me go on for like weeks to to think about. And, and did, I, it, did it affect? Oh, you? massively, did. massively! I, I I lied in bed every night thinking because really? even though it's just one person and the person, you know, they didn't have a that that was a, a parody fake account of somebody. It wasn't you know somebody had set that up to to target me. And if you looked at their their history, they were targeting others. You know, people from the SAS who dares wins or the other other soldiers who were in the sort of the media, if you like, for some for whatever reason. And I, but it made me, even though I knew it was a parody account of someone's someone having a pop, 
I, I just thought, does somebody really think that that I wrote a book to try and you know pitch sell my build my profile or something? They did not understand that, but it but it, it played on my mind and and. I'm quite, although I'm an adventurer and I'm a former soldier, inside I'm very sensitive. And even just one comment, um, you know, really, really affects me, um, or, you know, because I drill into it. What have I done to make somebody think that? And I spoke to, I had lunch a couple of days ago with Kay Burley from Sky News. Mm. And, she, you know, and, and she's a, a mainstream media journalist who gets a lot of, you know, whatever she says will be scrutinized every day. And I, and I said to her, how do you deal with that? Because... You know, people see Kay Burley, and she's a very direct, hardline woman. Um, but you know, she, again, she, 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 people have challenges. You go home and you read in these comments, and 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 and, and she's she she will get hundreds of these every day. I got I get one every couple of months, and I just think, you know, do people not realise that that those comments, throwaway comments on on social media, have that they're actually hurting someone's uh, thoughts and feelings. And I, 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 I don't know how, you know, I guess it's part of being, as I say, I'm quite a low, relatively low-key in the media, but some of these people, like Kay, I have a huge amount of respect for because I couldn't take the trolling and the abuse, um, you know, like, like, and I'm not saying they do take it, and it isn't, I used to think, oh, it must be just water off a duck's back to them, but it's not, they go home and, 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 and it affects their, them mentally as well. I, I just don't know how, how, how people cope with it, I really don't. No, I think it's a horrible thing. I, I think you're right. There are, there are obviously people that are used to it and sort of toughened up to it, but I'm sure everybody on some level... Yeah, well, sometimes it's really personable it. as well. It could be yeah. about your family. It could be about the way you look. It, it, you know, it could, it could be anything. It might not just be uh, a negative sort of comment on the story you're telling. It, it could be very personal to you, um, which you know, there's just no need for that. I, I, you know, if you've got nothing nice to say, you know, be quiet. Well, I've had, I've had mean stuff said about my kids and I don't even get them involved with any of that yeah, yeah. and that and that feeling you get when some faceless person says something yeah, like, like a rush of, of like anxiety adrenaline like who is this person yeah and i think people don't think just thinking throwing shit out there and yeah and you don't know to what extent okay it could be just mildly piss someone off but it could be yeah so much worse and, and often they don't know the facts either they're having again they're having an opinion or a comment on something that they've just read between the lines and come to their own conclusion you know they don't know the, the, the truth of the matter um uh, again you know people need to think before they they spurt these things out well i've noticed for, from stuff i've written online that when, when it's been newspaper articles that have been even mildly controversial is that people have the trolls have have alerts set up you can tell because you know you publish a piece and like quicker than they could even have read it you know it's obviously it's the triggered. topics yeah and they and they've written something based on the headline you know yeah. because they haven't they never read they're no. not, not going to read your book i mean no. not even a, not going to read a book they're not going to read a even a, an online article they'll just see the headline and go well i already have an opinion on this if yeah. someone's written something even even mildly in support of it He's unspeakable. Yep, he's awful. Absolutely. He's including his family, you know, and they can just shit on you to whatever extent yeah. they want. And yeah, and, and 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 you know, I try to learn as well that you know, it's the problem is with them actually. It's not with you. The problem is with these. They're the ones who have got the issue. You know, their the, the, the sad existence of a life where they sit, you know, probably in a bedroom um, uh, with, with with very li little friends or, or whatever it might be. You know, and I try to more understand it now that, that the problem isn't me that I'm doing something wrong. It's the problem with these these sad individuals who have got nothing better to do. You know, and yeah, and I think, but I think you're right. And in, in the, and getting angry with them 
isn't the isn't the thing because if we're just thinking how awful they are and how cross we are with them yeah then you see that's part of the that's same affecting problem. that's affecting us as well yeah. mentally psychologically because um, these may well be people with the, their own issues or i think probably most of the time it's it's dumb kids yeah yeah most of the time it's dumb kids who may well go on to be <laughs> nice good productive members of society but uh, the i guess it's it's probably like vandalism in a way that you know um teenagers doing stupid stuff that no but i think we have fully grown adults as well who who, who live these sort of double social media parody lives where you know where where, where i i find there's a, that what we have in societies we have a um a victim mentality at the moment where if people see somebody perceived to be doing well or doing good they need to be taken down mm. you know I, I see that a lot um I, I see a lot of people where the world thinks they owe, you know, they, they think the world owes them a favour for some mm. reason, and, and not just in society. I, I see this in the military community sometimes. I see veterans who who will see other veterans who are getting on and doing whatever they can to do their bit, and they think, well, why am I not doing that? I served as well. Uh, I, I've seen it in the military community um, where where people think that I've served my country, the world owes me a favour now. Um, and and when I first left the army, um, you know, I, I sort of thought, well. I've served my country. I've done my tours. I wear my medals. Someone's going to give me a, a job. They should do. You know, I've done more than most here, but it's not the way the world works. You know, mm. you, you you get what you earn, and you you have to go back out and reintegrate and start again. And that might mean starting at the bottom and working your way up. You know, it's it, life is difficult sometimes. Life is challenging, but um, I, I I do believe I'm not that I'm spiritual, but I believe in car. I believe in positive vibes and karma. And the more positivity you pump out, the more the better things happen. You know, I I think when when you're when you post anything online, you have two choices. You can either add to the positive energy levels in the world, or or, or, or you can try and disrupt them and be negative. Um, and you know, certainly for me, I, I I try and be as positive as possible. I I try and encourage. I try and you know celebrate my friends' wins with them. Try and you know promote them and help them. And you know, and yeah, I I I, I just yeah, it, it baffles me some of the things that go on out there. But you, but you must also be aware that. You've been at times on your of your life on a knife edge. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The book starts with you being on a rooftop. Yeah, and you've turned this into this this positive theme, which I really like, which is something I agree with to you know wholeheartedly that pretty much everything you know can go either way. You can make it good out of something, or it can all go bad. Yeah, you know, and that every day, not just you know, not just your whole life, but every little thing. I think there's a, you know, you can take the positive, the do something kind, do something nice for you or for someone else, or you can say something bad, you can do something negative, you can go and do something unhealthy. You know, I think life is all about those little choices between the good and the bad. Yeah, yeah. But you must have been aware that for you, it's nice that we're sitting here and you've done all these great things and written these books, but you must have been aware that it could have gone uh, no, I, I'm, way, I'm, I'm, and still can go very horribly wrong. You know, for, be, be under no illusion that I still take medication every day. You know, I very openly talk about it. I, I take sertraline, which is um, an, an antidepressant. I take quite a high dosage as well. Um, I'm under no illusion that, that depending on what, how I wake up in the morning, will and, and my attitude towards the day will will massively affect. Um, I, I think there is a cycle and your attitude will affect your behavior and your behavior will affect other people's attitude and their behavior. And that's why being positive in as much as you can is so important because, you know, you, you, you see it day to day. You get home from work. You might have had a tough day at work. You walk into the house, the missus and the kids are there. 
if you come in being negative, well, actually, probably the, the evening's going to be a negative evening now because you, it, it's a domino and trigger effect that sets everyone else off. So, you know, I, I encourage people, if you have had a bad day at work, just think about the impact before you walk through that front door when you get home that that's going to have on everyone else before you before you become the sort of mood hoover of the house and, and take everyone else down with you. And I think, for me, it's about being consciously aware of that. And something we have to do more often is be in the present moment. I know people call it mindfulness these days, which is really important because I, I realise that anxiety often for me is, is worry about the future. It's about what's coming or something I'm, I'm not looking forward to. Whereas depression for me is often about looking to the past and why didn't I get that right? You know, oh, me and the ex-partner, like we, we could have been a great family unit or why did I make that decision or why did I, I hurt that person? So, so for me, I'm... I, you know, I have to understand that I can't do anything about the past except for take the lessons into my future. There's nothing I can do to change what has happened. If I've done something wrong, if I've been bad or naughty or done something I'm not proud of, I, I can't go back and change that, but I can make sure I never do it again. And the same with the future. You know, as we know from, you know, events, tragic events that have happened this weekend about what goes on in the military the future is never guaranteed. There's no guarantee that we'll still be alive next week for whatever reasons. So we can't think too far into the future as well. Let's worry about the here and now. Let's enjoy the moment. You know, let's let's be present and mindful of that. Um, and I think it's something we, we, we all need to do a lot more. And when we're present, let's not be sat looking at screens. Let's be talking and, and having that human interaction that, that we seem to have lost. It's, it's re- really important, I think. I wonder why mindfulness gets a hard time. I had a mindfulness teacher on the podcast. It was amazing for me. And I, I'd, it, not all of it was new to me because I, um, well, I do a lot of yoga now, and that's that's quite how that that philosophy works. Yeah, yeah. But, but this idea, just the simple idea, it you shouldn't, you shouldn't, it shouldn't be a novel idea that you actually just think about why you do things. You know, like for me, that's probably the most simple explanation of mindfulness, and it sounds too too simple to mean anything, but. You just what, what do you mean? You think about why you do so even just eating. You think, well, why am I eating this? I think most of us don't think. No, we just about do it. Thing. We just yeah. we just do it. And then if you're doing, then if you're into unhealthy habits, like you say about whether you, when you get home, if you decide to go through all the shit stuff that's happened to you that day because you feel you need to share it, or the person you live with, or the person you're seeing, they they can somehow help you with, you know, getting it off your chest maybe you do have good reasons for talking about all the rubbish stuff that's happened yeah. that day maybe that's part of the of well the maybe purpose. do that 30 minutes into you know don't make that the first thing that you're going to talk about you know if i if if i go home and i'm you know not that i have i have a missus or anything but if i went home to the missus and children i think that first five ten minutes is critical to to, to everyone's well-being you know Give them a cuddle and a kiss before you start venting your day and everything that's gone wrong. Yeah, but I, but I used to do it a lot. I used to come home and I was like, oh, you know what's gone on today? I didn't didn't need that. I didn't need this. And why has this not been done? Why is why why is why is the house a mess? And you sort of on this because that's what you do. It's not because you've thought. You know, if you stop and think about what you're about to do, I think you would be very conscious and you probably wouldn't do it. But because it's just normal and that's what you do and you get on and we become quite complacent in life. Um, but I, I'm I'm not a big advocate of mindfulness, but I'm becoming more aware of it and the importance of it. Um, you know, it's it's certainly something from a mental health mental health perspective that is really important and can help you a lot if you understand why you're doing things and not only why you're doing them, but what is the impact of you doing them. Hmm. Yeah, and if and if you're doing something that might be might be there's a possible negative side to it. Well, you have to think. Well, 
is it do I still want to do it is it necessary yeah you know if it's if it I mean come back to eating but I think eating is quite a nice simple one that you know why do you eat each thing you eat well people are because I'm hungry okay well but you know do you you just go for the first thing you see you wouldn't eat something that was going to kill you yeah but if you're eating something that is going to kill you if you keep doing it yeah yeah every day then I guess you you need to think I think my, my take on it is that anyone who's kind of happy and peaceful will be doing some sort of mindfulness whether they call it that yeah or not because it just means being aware of what you're yeah, exactly yeah. being aware of what you're doing i think uh, reflection reflect uh, a big thing for me is reflection you know is, is looking back at the end of the day you know one of the things i do sounds a bit weird and wonderful but when i lie in bed before i go to sleep the last thing that i will do every night is i will try and think of three things that i'm, I'm happy and proud of what i did today and three things where i where i could have improved or done better or maybe i didn't help someone as much as i could and i, I it's just like this sort of reflective mentality um, and then I'll try and apply those lessons uh, for the next day. But I, I, I think most humans, especially people who work in high-pressure jobs or, or whatever it might be, we are so tunnel vision into what we've got to do next, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's a project, whether it's work, whether it's sport. We're just like 100 mile an hour, and, and, and social media sort of feeds that as well, that we're always got to be you know, chasing whatever it is. And we we fail to stop and just look over our shoulder and say, but yeah, we've come a long way here, actually. You know, thinking of where I was six months ago or where I was a year ago, look what we've done in that time. So I, I always encourage people to, uh, especially young people, to to celebrate the little wins in, in your day. You know, if you have passed your exam or your test result, your, your mock test in the morning, you know, a couple of minutes. If you've had a great day at work, have a beer on the way home, see your friends, say you know, just celebrate those small glories because before you know it, they're long gone. And 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 again, it, it comes back to I guess being mindful and and, and being in the present because we're just a hundred mile an hour with tunnel vision. Most people I see, and you know, I, I often try and say, well, yeah, but what a great thing you did there, and that's amazing that you did that. And they're like, yeah, but I've got to do this later. Just just stop for two minutes, enjoy that moment because it'll be gone and it'll be in the past before you know it. Yeah. So this book. This book is advent. This book, running for my life, is adventures up to kind of middle of last year. Is that right? So you, so you, you ran a full marathon. What was it in Afghanistan? You did a f- yeah. So it was full marathon. Full marathon. So it started in Somali, Somalia, and Somaliland. So we did a ten k half marathon, full marathon, Somalia, Iraq, Afghanistan, um, which which was a charity fundraising project called Running Dangerously. Yeah. Um, which then triggered 2019's project. This was in 2018. So 2019's project, because um, my main objective is to build a school on the Horn of Africa. We are 50% built at the moment. Okay. Um, it's, it's, so we have, a, we have a small charity called Frontline Children, myself and a few trustees run. And my main objective is to build a school for refugees who've been displaced by the conflicts in Yemen and Somalia. And... Um, so we, I'm still about 170,000 short. You know, we've done an incredible job of fundraising so far. The charity is, is only volunteers. We have no salaried staff. So every, you know, 100% of the pound goes to to the project. And I needed to raise more money, so I, I needed to come up with another weird and wonderful, wacky idea. So we came up with rowing dangerously, which was the will first row. Of course, <laughs> rowing dangerously. Um, so we, we, I did a will first row across the most dangerous strait of water in the world, so the gateway to the Gulf of Aden between the Horn of Africa and Yemen. Um, I trained for a year with my fellow uh, Bremont ambassador, Alex Gregory, a double Olympic gold rowing champion. Um, I, I'd never rowed in my life. Bremont's the watch brand, which we should yeah, mention. Sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah. The luxury watch brand, yep. British luxury watch brand, one I know well from my from my other work, and um, 
they've supported. I mean, they Bremont. One of the things I love about them is they they support a whole kind of range of yeah. They do crazy lots of adventure and, people. Yeah, one of their sort of main sort of themes is 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 is, is adventure, and their strapline is tested beyond endurance. So it's always about going that little bit further in, in you know in, in in tough times, whether it's adversity, whether it's an extreme challenge, um, and and also they don't really they don't really buy into the celebrity culture which is amazing because they 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 deal with real people doing real things which i really love and a lot of their their the, the, the sort of the fellow ambassadors i work with you know they're really inspiring to me you know the people who i look at and say that's amazing what you're doing and you know i, I, I want to get involved how can i help you and yeah they have an incredible network of, of different ambassadors around the world and we all just try and support each other in any way we can and you know, it, most of the adventures that go on out there are with a, a, an impact. You know, so they do help change people's lives, whether it's a good cause or from building a school or, or cancer or homelessness or mental health. You know, Bremont, uh, uh, for me, have a special place in my heart because they do so much good in the world and they encourage others to to, to sort of take that same ethos. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great ethos because they're not looking for celebrities so much. No, it's no. Kind of like yeah, they're, they're more about real people, people doing real things with a, making a difference, which is is, is what we're all about, really. Because you said at the end of, of running for my life that you had, had embarking on this rowing um, adventure's the wrong word um, mission, <laughs> rowing, rowing mission. But you 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 hadn't rowed before. No, never rowed a, a boat in my life, and when Alex Gregory took me down to Henley-on-Thames to the rowing club, you know, I, I remember very clearly getting in the rowing boat the wrong way round, and he was like, you really haven't rowed, have you? Um, and I was like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fresh out of the system. You know, I've been on a pedlo in Blackpool when I was a kid, but I've never been on a, on a boat of any sort, really, um, a, a rowing boat, certainly. And, yeah, so, so, so part of that as well was to inspire, you know, young people. So, in my again, in my role as an army cadet, the ambassador for the UK, I wanted to show people that, you can achieve anything you want if you but you've got to be willing to to commit to the task you've got to be willing to make the sacrifices you've got to be open mind enough to let someone teach you the way and yeah so to go from never rowing to then doing a a will first was 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 amazing really and um yeah and but but again it, it was helping me just as much you know although the adventure wasn't about me it was about making a difference to children's lives from a mental health perspective i need an expedition to be working towards all the time because it gives me that purpose, it gives me that focus, and without that, I go, you know, after the rowing, I went downhill quite quickly uh, until I thought up my next expedition and said, this is what we're doing, because then I had the, that that was consumed my mind then, um, but, you know, I, I had such a low after the rowing that I thought, is this it, you know, all the media, all the hype, all the interviews, the, the world first, the, the expedition planning, the logistics, meeting the incredible uh, people along the way, uh, the children in Africa, and then it was like, okay, you've done it now, the come down and I see why athletes and adventurers have this sort of post expedition blues because it's 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 really tough to to know what an amazing thing you, you've been part of to then go oh that's finished now and how bad are your lows though oh really low like I don't want to get out of bed for like days and you know I don't want and the phone I'll, I'll look at the phone and even even family members I, I don't even want to speak to them I just you know really really low um I, I I sort of feel that nothing's good enough. Uh, I, I have a real chip on my shoulder that you know, the world's against me, or what do they want? What are they after? Everyone's got everyone who, who interacts with me. I always think they've got an agenda. What they, what do they want me to help them with? What they after? I I I have a real negative sort of mindset towards the world. N- not only uh, not so much um, post expedition, but even more so when I've missed my medication. 
Um, it's something. So I recently did an expedition in 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 January to the Yukon uh, in Alaska in sort of North America way, and I'd forgot my tablets to go. And I was sharing a room with another former military person who's a good friend of mine who also has some mental health challenges. And after about two days, so I, I knew that I'd forgot my medication, and I thought, oh, I'll just get through this this sort of week, it'll be all right. After about two days, the the, the person, my friend, uh, she said to me, she went, "Are you okay, Jordan?" Because you seem to be really negative at the moment and I can see a distinct change in your behaviour. Have I done something wrong, she said? Have I upset you in some way? You're just really quiet and you're keeping yourself to yourself. You didn't even speak to me at breakfast and you were just on your phone all the time. And I I said, you know, the, the truth is that I forgot my medication. And she was then, she understood because I think she only understood because she'd been through a similar sort of cycle in, in her past. Um, but I, I was like a different person and I could see it in myself and uh, just wanted to be left alone. And... After about two more days, um, I, I got worse and deteriorated even more, and it got to the point where I had to book myself in with a private doctor in Canada, and I had to pay a lot of money. It cost me like a you know twelve hundred pounds to get an appointment and then to buy the medication. Um, so I had to sort of be re-diagnosed over there and explain this is I forgot my medication, but I had to go in and 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 uh, get some sertraline uh, in Canada. And I thought for four days that I'd be all right, but on the fourth day I was like, I got to go and do something about this. And within 24 hours, I was back in the game and I was my normal sort of jolly self. Um, and I'm not an advocate of, of, of the pharmaceutical industry. I'm very sceptical about it because it relies on, on people having problems. Um, and, you know, and it's a business ultimately. Um, but for me, if you need medication, there's no shame in that. You know, you, it, for me, I, as it was described to me, I have a chemical imbalance in my brain, um, which causes the stress, the anxiety, the, the, the severe sort of depression. Um, and that is the one of the ways I manage it. I, I, I stand by that the best way to manage my mental health is by running and exercise, the great outdoors. You know, that is, that's the number one sort of drug for me is to get outside and be with nature. Um, but if you need medication, well, well, so be it. You know, there's no shame in that, you know, and that's why I, I guess I speak quite openly to anyone about it because it, it is what it is. You know, it, it helps me a lot. Um, am I addicted to it? No, not at all because... I was on 200 milligrams um, last year. I was on 100 milligrams. Now I'm on 50 milligrams. Hopefully by the end of the year, I'll be um, I'll be on 25 uh, milligrams. So I'm trying to come down slowly because there is a real danger when you just stop. Because what happened to me last week, two weeks ago, is what happens. You know, you go into uh, a real depressive state, or I certainly did with my body. Um, so. You know, the, the, as I say, there's no shame in it. You know, you do what you've got to do. If that helps you manage your mental health in some way, well, well, well so be it. What's interesting is hearing someone who's positive, not is, is not necessarily the right word, but you're you're positive to a point about the med medication, but you're realising that it's not the only thing and you need yeah. these other elements. So, because you, at one stage, you you let yourself go quite badly by the sounds of it so yeah, you, yeah. you've been injured and weren't training and things because I think you said you 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 were a sportsman but you're not we weren't particularly into fitness no still today I'm not somebody who much to a lot of people's surprise yeah I love sport so for me I, I love the competitive edge of sport you know playing to win I go into the gym is, is, although I go to the gym you know not 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 not, not all the time by any means but um, it's not something that I jump out of bed and love to do. You know, I have to be really drag myself to a gym to stand there and and do weights and you know do circuits or whatever it might be. It's not something that I get a lot of enjoyment from. But I do get a lot of enjoyment from you know going climbing in the mountains or you know doing things in the great outdoors, going for a run. I I, I always say the sort of the three best things for 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 my mental level, the three things that I use is one is exercise, probably the most important for me um, in the outdoors, normally running. 
Um, but it doesn't have to be. It could be walking. It could be, you know, as long as you're putting one foot in front of the other, it doesn't matter how fast you're going. I, I never worry when I do these marathons and things. I'm never concerned by time. For me, um, pe- people will say, what time are you going for? I say, the time of my life. I don't care what time I get. Um, it's about getting to the finish line. You know, I- I'm never going to break a, break, a, break a running record. I'm never going to be an Olympic champion. Um, and, I, I, and, and I'm not there to do that. I'm there. I run. And I often run on my own because it gives me that clarity of thought, that, that mental well-being. The second thing is talking to people. Be, a, be an open book if you can. You know, talk to people. Don't be ashamed of who you are. Um, we all make mistakes. I've made more. I've made lots of mistakes, more mistakes than most probably. But, and I will never be somebody who says, um, I have no regrets in life. I've got tons of regrets. And if I could do things differently, I would have gone back and do them differently. But I'm not dwelling on them. You know, I'm, I'm learning from them and I'm moving forward. Um, we all make mistakes. Uh, own your mistakes. Acknowledge that you have made a mistake and do something about it. Don't hide it. Don't disguise it. Don't lie about it. Hold your hand up and say, do you know what? I've, I've cocked up here. But fix it if you can, and if you can't fix it, take the lessons. But but you got to keep moving forward. You know that's life. We're talking about giving people a hard time, and there's one point that you ask yourself a question. You'd say that you're you're not sure whether you're doing this for them or for you. You know, because you, yeah, you're talking yeah. about helping the kids and helping the poor people in these terrible these terribly problematic parts of the world. But you're saying you're not sure whether you're doing it to self-soothe. I think you put it. Or to help these. Well, I'm doing it for both. Uh, for, for for me, adventure is important because adventure and exercise is what gives me the sanity in my head. But f- for example, if I was if I wasn't doing what I do for the children, you know, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be fulfilled in any way. I, one thing I've learned in life is there's a big difference between success and fulfillment. You know, success for me is is very external. It's what other people think. It's it's social media followers and likes retweets it's it's promotions it's pay it's career prospects fulfillment is is love it's internal it's your family it's it's, it's your close friends it's about what your purpose is in life and i think you find many people who are extremely successful but it doesn't mean that they're happy it doesn't mean that they're fulfilled um and 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 you know we 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 see well uh, again not to, to 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 sort of dwell on the point of, of, of Caroline Flack but that's somebody who is at the top of her game or, or is perceived to be at the top of her game um, as, as a TV presenter in the mainstream media but yet look at what was going on internally behind the scenes that, that nobody wanted to, to acknowledge or talk about so you can be super successful you can be you know grade A in, in terms of where you are in life perceptionally from the outside world but that doesn't mean anything about what's going on internally and I think you know it, it, not that there's going to be anything good to come of, of, of what's happened to Caroline but it should certainly be a wake-up call for for the world, you know, and I think that's the best we can hope for from that situation. Yeah, just to assume that other people may be suffering, that, you know, are you going to add to the suffering or are you going to... Yeah, are you going to add to it? Are you going to help and and, and support? Yeah. I think one of the things that you also said in your book was how, which is possibly a freeing thing, you said that... um, your daughter, no matter what you achieve in life, your daughter will always be your greatest achievement. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's. Yeah, I think yeah. You know, I've 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 been very fortunate to meet some um, incredible people who have supported me, whether that be sponsors, donors, or or just great friends who have who have helped me get to where I am today. Um, but the greatest success achievement is my is is to be, and the greatest honor and is to be a dad. I think. Um, 
and I try and be the best role model I can be, the best role model I can be. I, I don't always get it right, you know. Sometimes I beat myself up because I'm not, I'm not around often. You know, I go away for ten days. I don't see my daughter sometimes because I'm in a, a very remote part of the world. But I, I like to think that she knows that I'm trying to inspire others, uh, inspire others, or help children. And she, and and she's come to really understand that and get that. And I think it's it's about finding your your why in the world and what what you do, you know, why why you do what you do. And uh, I try and take my daughter not. On the adventure, but but on the adventure, sort of theoretically, and share the lessons learned, share the insights, show her the pictures of the children, show her what 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 life is like for other people at the other side of the world, and and I do that a lot in schools, and you see the cogs turning, and, and you know even if I just help one child in a school assembly, that 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 actually starts to have a different perspective and thinks, wow, that's that's what goes on for children my age at the other side of the world. God, I'm actually quite lucky, aren't I, to to have all these incredible teachers who are dedicated to developing and helping me grow and mature. Because a lot of children don't have that, you know. Here in England, in the West, we are very privileged compared to what a lot of people have um, in the world. And uh, for me, it's quite important to get our children to understand that from an early age. Because I didn't understand that at school. I, I just took it for granted. Education was, you know, it was, it was, it was an inconvenience. It was something I had to do. But actually, it's an incredible opportunity that children have in this country, um, and a lot of them have it for free as well. Um, you know, and they need to understand that. And if they get to see what life is like in Iraq, in Afghanistan for a child who probably will never go to school in, in many circumstances or will never have the opportunities or the safety or the security or the three meals a day or the nice clean water for a bath every night, whatever it is. You know, it, it's about giving children perspective and showing them what, what life is like. Because often the children that I meet at the other side of the world are the happiest children I meet, but they don't have anything on the face of it to live for from what we would perceive in the West. Yet our children are moaning because the Wi-Fi is not fast enough, or you know, the, the the battery on the iPad's not not charged, or whatever. It, you know, these first world problems. Yeah. So, you know, we, we we have to give children perspective, and the way we do that, and uh, I think adventure, the spirit of adventure, can be used for such a force of good. And in an era now where people don't really go camping, they don't climb trees, they don't play in the great outdoors as much. You know, do the things that we would have done when we were kids. I, I'm really trying to encourage people to, you know, to, to to look up from the screen and start doing the things that that really help you a lot in in terms of mental health. Okay, fantastic, Jordan. We're out of time. So, running for my life by Jordan Wiley. It's available in all good bookshops. Your charity, what's the name? It's Again, Frontline Children. Frontline Children. Yeah. You can find us at frontlinechildren.org. Um, frontlinechildren.org. And our, our our main project is to build the school on the Horn of Africa, which we are 50% complete. Well, Jordan Miley, thank you so much. It's amazing to talk to you. Thank, thank you. you. Very much. Thank you for having me. Thank Cheers. You. Cheers. Thank you.